Hello and welcome to This is Oro Valley, a podcast where we explore the people and programs that make Oro Valley the vibrant community it is. I'm Town Manager Mary Jacobs, and today we're speaking to Luke Safford. He's the Director of Engagement and Education at the Tucson Audubon Society. Luke, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me on. Great. We are so excited to have you here today because we wanted to explore with our community um, the topic of birding. And, um, and of course, you are that expert that we want to share information with. And the reason why is because we're really broadening our tourism outreach. And uh, anybody who has a backyard around here <laughs> knows that we have some pretty cool birds around here. We sure do. Yeah. So, uh, so I can't wait to hear a little bit more about all of the different birding opportunities that we have. But before we get started, I'd love to learn a little bit more. And I know our listeners would about your personal background, your interest in birding, and maybe even tell us a little bit about the Tucson Audubon Society and what they do. Yeah, for sure. So uh, birding caught my interest at a very young age. I was about six years old and I'd go over to my grandparents' house they lived on a lake and we were living right next to him at the time. I'd go over there every morning and Grandma Eileen and Grandpa, they'd have breakfast going and they'd have a scope out on the on the water and bird feeders there in front of their window. And we'd count the birds that we saw. And I remember Grandma Eileen having, writing out a, a little graph thing for me to keep track of the birds that I saw. So like I'd write them down. I still have some of those notes from like back in 1987. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, so they really got me into it. And then uh, just being outside and camping and fishing and hunting and all those things really got me even more interested in birds. And then, shoot, uh, just came uh, down here to Tucson and the Southeast Arizona region back in 2009 and was blown away with how many birds were down here and just, uh, you know, the beauty of the nature. And my wife and I, we, we lived up in Washington State at the time and we we're like, we got to live down here in Southeast Arizona, uh, the birds and the nature and the wildlife and just, the the place was something we couldn't resist. So we moved down here and I got a job with Tucson Audubon. Never would have thought that I'd get a job uh, doing what, that, you, love. Doing what yeah. I love, you know, looking for birds and showing those to other people. And it's amazing how many folks come here from all over the nation and the world to, to see the birds down here. It's just incredible. It really is. I was in Sierra Vista before Oro Valley and birding along the San Pedro River and Ramsey Canyon is yes. is absolutely phenomenal. And the, the the hummingbirds and you know the migratory patterns and it's just it is really amazing. And I think we we forget we kind of take it for granted. Um, oh, so for sure. so yeah, it, bringing some light to it today is is going to be very exciting. So what exactly does the Tucson Audubon Society do? Yep, that's a good question. So Tucson Audubon, our, our mission is to inspire people to protect and enjoy birds. Uh, we do that through a lot of different ways, uh, engaging uh, communities here in Southeast Arizona, including Oro Valley. We do a lot of restoration projects. You know, of course, we've Many of us heard about removing buffalo grass, but there's a lot of other invasive plants that, that we manage. We have a huge crew of folks who are outside all over Arizona and the Southwest involved in removing invasive species to make habitat better for birds and wildlife. Uh, we do a lot of urban habitat restoration. We have a Habitat at Home program encouraging people to 
you know, plant natives in their backyard that, that's good for pollinators. We do a lot of uh, bird surveys. So uh, going out to areas all around Southeast Arizona, um, you know, doing point counts for special birds like yellow-billed cuckoos and willow flycatchers and elegant trogan. Uh, so, but, you know, we do all those things with the intent of inspiring people to get out there themselves and uh, protect and enjoy birds and join a, a larger a larger voice together with us. So what is sort of that magic of birding? You know, you talked about it as a child. And of course, our listeners are audio only, so they can't see yeah. photos and, and that sort of thing about. But I, I would imagine that you as a child also looked at books and identified which birds were what and, you know, but but really what, you know, what, what is that magic that you think draws people to birding? Yeah, there, there's a few things. I mean, uh, what kid doesn't want to like try and fly, you know, like you, you <laughs> see something flying is it captivates your attention because, you know, we can't do that. So <laughs> that's one number sim- one simple yeah. thing, you know, <laughs> it's like something flying. Uh, birds are really, uh, you know, pretty visible creatures. You know, uh, many of us are kind of born with that desire to uh, understand nature and, and s- discover new things. And birds are a lot easier to find. They're more visible than a lot of mammals. They're easier to identify than a lot of bugs. You know, they move around and like plants. So there's... And they're not bugs. So we'll not just, bugs. we'll leave you that there. On them. Yeah, they're not bugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I think just the accessibility of birds is a really... A uh, big factor in making it such a, a draw for folks who want to be involved in nature. And birds are right there. They're, many of uh, them are colorful, especially the males, you know, and so it it, uh, it grabs us and, you know, they're not venomous like snakes and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I think those are some of the factors. And then it's also something anyone can do regardless of age, regardless of physical condition. Even disabled folks can find places where they can sit and observe in nature without having to, you know, you don't have to go on a hike to find them necessarily. There's lots of different, lots of different places, including our backyards, right? We could go right outside, you know, the offices here Yep. and you'd probably hear heel woodpeckers. You might catch a glimpse of a turkey vulture flying over, you know, you don't have to go far at all and you don't have to go to, you know, exotic places. Um, What's awesome here is that Oro Valley is considered what kind of one of those exotic places. So like if you live here, like it's just, you just have this, um, this open backyard to a world that, um, you know, a lot of people couldn't even imagine with cactus rams and curbill thrashers. And, uh, a lot of the birding hotspots in this area are, you know, fairly accessible and Tucson Audubon is doing uh, our part too, to make more areas accessible, uh, for everyone. You know, um, some people may think you have to have like a real high profile camera or really expensive binoculars or a spotting scope or something like that. And really birding is just getting outside and enjoying the enjoying birds. And so you can do that uh, without anything else in your hand. Like you can just go out there and do it. You can keep a list if you want to. You don't have to. That's not mandatory. It's not (laughs) mandatory at all. So um, but yeah, it's that's one of the beauties of it, too. So we're obviously trying to draw more tourists to Oro Valley as part of our um, 
Oro Valley's centric tourism strategy. And of course, birding popped up as one of those things that for our region is particularly, I mean, certainly other areas of, of Tucson, but we've got some pretty cool places in Oro Valley or mm-hmm. certainly adjacent to Oro Valley where they really are kind of some birding hotspots. So let's fill our listeners in on those little secret spaces. Yeah, maybe one that's not real secret, but one that I really love is Catalina State Park. Absolutely. You know, uh, I think I had my very first Rufus back robin there. I think I saw that in, uh, I think it was December or January of 2015 as my very first Rufus back robin. And I think I also had a Lawrence's goldfinch and northern beerless trannulet there. So I think those are like brand new birds for me right at Catalina State Park. Uh, the winter is a great time to go there mm. to the park, and um, there's always a lot of cardinals and pyroluxias and cactus wrens, um, and you know it's it's fairly accessible as well as long as the uh, the wash isn't flowing across the road. Right. But right. That, that's a great spot. Um, I went to uh, the Vistoso Trails Nature Preserve. It's you know the Right, our brand Golf new yeah. that's being revitalized. Our brand new nature preserve. Yeah, exactly. I went there for the first time uh this past week and uh I'm really excited to see the possibilities that that we're gonna have there when it comes to birding. Already, like I was there and I had cactus friends like calling all around me and barn swallows flying over. I think it's gonna be a really good spot for sparrows this winter. Um and you know, there's also uh Tahona Tool. Mm. Uh there's you know any any spots along the different washes that we have here is, is really good for birding. Um, Honey and then, Be- have oh, you been to Honeybee Canyon? Yeah, uh, I have not. Yeah, okay. I, I, I admit I have not been yeah. to Honeybee yet. Put it on your list, my friend. I'm going to. <laughs> I know not only um, uh, the birds there, but uh, like uh, the petroglyphs. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. They're there Absolutely. as well. Beautiful. And uh, my friend Mike Welch tells me there's like a pair of great horned owls that are usually seen there. Um, so a gilded flicker is another one that can be seen in that area. I, I just, I have not been there yet, but now I will. So what, what equipment do you need to be a bird? You kind of mentioned, you know, you don't need the top of the line stuff and, and that's, that's great. And your eyes are great if, you know, they're pretty good, but what does make it just a little bit better if you don't have to have the very expensive binoculars or scopes or cameras or anything, what does make it a little bit better if you want to start engaging um, a bit more seriously in birding? Binoculars definitely help. (laughs) You know, uh, you don't need to spend thousands Mm -hmm. of dollars, although you certainly can Mm -hmm. on a a really nice pair of binoculars. Uh, But, you know, uh, somewhere around the $150 to $300 range, uh, like that's kind of like the good beginning binocular. Uh, There's different brands out there uh, that can be good. But I would suggest... Picking up a pair of those, going to your local um, nature shop, which would be the Tucson Audubon Nature Shop. That's where mm-hmm. I suggest uh, around University Boulevard in Tucson. But you can try out different binoculars there and optics and see what fits well in your hands. You know, a lot of the glass in those binoculars can kind of be real similar, but it's more like the feel. So I would say a pair of binoculars is really important. Uh, you don't need a scope. You really don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have one that I take out sometimes. I have a camera I take out sometimes, but you don't, you could have a camera mm-hmm. and that really adds enjoyment for people in different ways. Um, but I would say really the other thing that you need is just another person. 
Dude, um, go, you can go out mm-hmm. on your own, but like it's so much better to like go with another person. Mm-hmm. Did Maybe you see someone that? who has better yeah. eyes or ears, you know, like I have really good eyes, but my ears are no good. So I like going birding with someone who has good ears um, and it's just better to enjoy it with someone else. Having spent 17 years in Sierra Vista, birding was a big deal. And so I have a little bit of knowledge about the migratory patterns, the sky islands of the mountains. But um, but I'd love it if you could sort of explain to our listeners, why is Southeast Arizona such a hot spot for birding? Like you said, people come literally from all over the world to bird in this area. Why is that? It, yeah, it's the answer is pretty crazy when you think about it. So like usually where the high density uh, bird species are at are along like the coastlines. So like where you have uh, the ocean and then you have the, uh, you know, the mountains close to the ocean, you know, Arizona doesn't have any of those oceans. So uh, even though we have huge high diversity, it comes from totally different reasons than most other places with high bird diversity. Here, what we have is we have the Rocky Mountains coming down from the north to the south. And then from the south to the north, we have the Sierra Madre Mountains that are coming in from Mexico. And so when these two mountain ranges meet, they hold uh, different bird populations for each of these different mountain ranges. And so they converge right here in Southeast Arizona. And not only do those converge, but then we also have, you know, we live in the desert, but around us, I mean, we're in the Sonoran Desert, but we also have the Mojave Desert coming in from the west. We have the Chihuahuan Desert coming in from the east. And then we have a Great Plains influence that kind of comes from uh, the northeast. And so all these different types of, um, I don't know. Ecosystems. Ecosystems, mm-hmm. thank you. Mm-hmm. All these ecosystems come together and just kind of get all mixed up right here in uh, southeast Arizona. And so that's. We have these different mountain ranges that pop up the sky, sky islands and with the Catalina mountains right here by Oro Valley, you know, by Sierra Vista, you got the Huachuca mountains, you got Mm -hmm. the Santa Rita mountains, far Southeast corner, you have the Chiricahua mountains and each one of these different sky island mountain ranges are are unique in, in themselves. And so, and they come up right from, you know, real low elevation up to, you know, 9,000 feet mm-hmm. at Catal- in the Catalinas. And so it's amazing to drive up the Catalina Highway and you're starting in Sonoran Desert and you go through all these different biomes all the way up into like Canadian boreal forest. You go, and so you just, in 45 minutes, the bird diversity is amazing. And you don't really have that in many Anywhere other places. Else. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I've got to know, Luke, what are your favorite birds what do they look like for our audio only listeners and why? I was thinking that you might ask this question. <laughs> elegant Trogan. If you've never seen an elegant Trogan, I mean, that is probably the big one that if people are coming to or Valley, Tucson, Southeast Arizona region, that's, that's probably number one on their bucket list. And it certainly was for me when I first came here, it's kind of like this, um, long-tailed parrot-like looking bird. It's got a, a green, the male has a green back, kind of a yellow eye ring, green head, white uh, kind of uh, horizontal stripe across its chest, and then a red belly. And kind of underneath the tail, it's kind of like a golden color. 
Oh my goodness, it sounds it's, gorgeous. It really is. It's it's beautiful. Where did you see this one? Uh, the first time I saw it was a wintering male at Patagonia Lake State Park. Okay. And then uh, they breed in um, sycamore line canyons of the Sky Islands. So like Madera Canyon is really oh, yeah. well known for elegant trogan. And not only do they look cool, but they, they sound really cool too. Mm. They have this call that sounds like a mixture between a a dog and a turkey and a seal and a frog. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> an so, interesting description. Yeah, yeah. Not like a typical bird. I could probably do a rendition of it, but I don't know how well that would transfer. And it goes something like this. It goes. And then it kind of travels down the canyon, up and down, and you're just listening for this call because they they can even though they're, they're so colorful, it's hard to find them sometimes. And you just listen for this call, and eventually, you know, when it gets louder, it's getting closer, and you just really like peel your eyes, like trying to look for it. Wow, it's pretty, it's pretty fun. So, like, I mean, that's that's probably like the top one. I, I love elegant trogans. Uh, I'm going to South Africa pretty soon. So like secretary bird, so long legs, that's what I'm looking for. But, you know, I'm really even just really stoked when I go to Sweetwater Wetlands. I I lead a walk there every Wednesday morning for Tucson Audubon. And when I'm there, you know, looking for common yellowthroats, it's a pretty common warbler uh, that just kind of skulks in the cattails, but looking for that yellowthroat and the black mask and uh, listening to it do do its little witchy witchy call and wow, yeah, that's a fun one too. Wow, yeah, and for for uh, any of our listeners who aren't familiar with what the Sweetwater Wetlands are, it's actually part of a wetland project associated with the Pima County Wastewater Treatment Facility, sort of linked linked by it, or it originally started kind of in that, um, you know, with that partnership. Yeah, it's run through. Tucson water, mm-hmm. you know, as an ecotourism spot, you know, just it's a good model for many other ecotourist areas that, you know, we're trying to promote. And uh, I fell in love with that place. Uh, like I said, I lead a weekly walk there every Wednesday mornings. I, you know, birding is one thing, enjoying the birds is one thing, but another part of this whole birding thing that just like gets people interested in it is just getting to uh, do something outside with other people. Like, I can't tell you how many amazing people I've met at Sweetwater or amazing people I've met at Catalina State Park leading field trips there and um, just coming from all sorts of uh, different regions, uh, having so many uh, diversity of thoughts and diversity of uh, experiences. And uh, so the not just the birds, but the people that are associated with going out and looking for birds is that's a it's an amazing thing, and they come from everywhere around here. You know, we're really excited to be tapped into the Tucson Audubon um, because y- you are helping us in terms of figuring out how we can use this amazing asset we have that we don't have to do anything; it's here, and how we can make that something that people would desire to to come stay in Oro Valley and then not only visit sites in Oro Valley while they're here, including our residents, obviously, but go other places in the region and, you know, not very far away, too. Yeah, not very far away. And uh, the possibilities are 
are endless. It seems like I've, I've lived here now for about seven years and I haven't exhausted all the different locations that you could go for, for birding and exploring the outdoors. And, uh, it's like I said, I haven't been to Honeybee Canyon yet. So <laughs> there's a lot of, a lot of good birding hotspots out there that we can enjoy together. Well, we certainly encourage our listeners to check out the Tucson Audubon Society online. They have an amazing set of resources and you can learn more about the programs that they offer right here for our residents. Because guess what, folks? We want you to call your family members in the dead of winter in Chicago and bring them out here. And and instead of putting them up in your homes, why don't you encourage them to stay at one of our local hotels and then uh, go birding, you know, explore something new. Let's, let's, let's all branch out a little bit, shall we? That sounds like a great idea. Luke, what kind of resources can our residents and visitors expect to find on your website or in your facilities? You know, you mentioned that you've got a store. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So on our website, which is going to be updated here with the next couple of days, so it'll be brand new for all of us. Uh, you'll be able to find um, birding field trips that you could be a part of. There's also a Tucson area birding trail map. So like if you're looking for different places around Oro Valley to go and explore, you can go to that birding trail map and get some ideas. Uh, we also have uh, a growing list of different bird species that you could find around here that we have write-ups on and, uh, you know, so you get an idea of what birds to be looking for in your backyard or at these locations that you go to. And then at our nature shop, we have uh, not just uh, binoculars and optics, but we have uh, a lot of other birding, you know, fun stuff, T-shirts and um, other books to help you grow and learning about birding. And then we're going to have a plant sale here pretty soon, too, in October uh, at the Tucson Audubon Mason Center on Thornydale and Hardy. So not quite Oro Valley, but close to Oro Valley. It's pretty close. Uh, Our fall plant sale. So if you're looking at making your backyard even more birdie, you can go there and pick up some some plants from us. I see you've got one of your own t-shirts on there, a Roadrunner. So the Roadrunner is officially a bird, right? Oh yeah. And and I guess I don't know how I forgot about that (laughs) one when it comes to my favorite birds, but I love the Roadrunner. Yeah. I I think the the first time I saw a roadrunner in person, and I grew up here in Tucson, but I was in Midtown. I don't remember ever seeing them. And I just, it's like, oh my gosh, there's a roadrunner. Like they're just, yeah. they're it looks really like a dinosaur. Cool bird. It's really very cool birds for sure. Well, Luke, it has been such a pleasure talking to you today. And I want to thank Luke. Safford. He's a director of engagement and education at the Tucson Audubon Society. Thank you. And thanks to the society for your help as Oro Valley has been finding more ways to attract tourists to our community. We, um, we really are so excited about all of the opportunities that we have. Thank you, Mary. It's been great talking about birds with you. Well, thanks for tuning in again to this month's This is Oro Valley podcast. And Be sure and stay tuned for more.